everything's fine. It's just fine. We know it's not, but we know that we are up for changing the world. It's it's who we are as a gender. It's what we do. Welcome to season four of Confident with me, Sherry West, and my fearless daughter, Olivia. This season, we'll be talking with some fierce female leaders about things we really care about including the gender gap and social justice. We hope that these conversations spark your passion and sense of agency to affect positive change. Are you ready? Episode six, things we care about, electing women to office. Welcome, welcome everyone. And Olivia, welcome to my heart is happy and full because you're home from college. (laughs) Yeah, freshman year is over. It went by so fast, which is very crazy. And now you get to spend some Relax time yes, and then no schoolwork. <laughs> you'll be off with your SheWorks internship. Yeah, I'm very excited. And I'm excited because today U.S. soccer sealed a deal for equal pay. Finally. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I read the headline in tears, not because of the individual uh, women soccer players. Um, of course, we're grateful to them for all their years and years of hard work on this, but to the collective hope that this yeah. can bring to the next generation, that equal pay is possible. Yeah. In a world that it feels like all of the news is bad news right now. Good point. It, Good point. It's, it, what, it is just a breath of fresh air, right? Absolutely. And it's so well-deserved. And hopefully, I mean, it means something for equal pay everywhere. But I mean, that, the fact that they have such a platform and they're doing this is incredible. Incredible. And speaking of a breath of fresh air, um, I'm really excited about today's guest, Patty Russo. So let's get to the interview. Patricia Russo is a nationally recognized leader focused on improving the quality of life for women in the United States. For over 35 years, she has held numerous leadership positions in public, private, and nonprofit organizations centered on women's rights. She's also held leadership positions on federal, state, and local political campaigns. Currently, Patty serves as executive director of the Campaign School at Yale University, a nonpartisan training program dedicated to increasing the number of women in elected office. Patty also speaks extensively on women's leadership at both the national and international levels. Welcome to Confident, Patty. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here with you both, although I wish we were in person. Yeah. I know, but yeah. I'm giving you a virtual hug yeah. right now. So good I take it. You. I feel it. Yeah, it's so good to see you, Patty. You you brought so much energy to to Live Girl and to my life. And you may or may not realize this, but you're like one of those amazing, dynamic, fierce women that your voice is always in my head. Like it's like keep oh, going, put oh, the boa on. I was going to say, I'll always well, exactly the boa. Yeah. the boa thing. So we definitely have to talk about the boa energy because yeah, that's getting a lot of traction, especially over the past two years. It's gotten a lot, which has really been very fun because we work really hard, right? We love what we do, but it's it's important to to find joy and to to play as hard as we work, which we do. Yeah, absolutely. And the boas definitely bring joy. And I have to tell you, this season on Confident, we're talking about things we care about. But um, over the last few weeks, um, as the country, as well as Olivia and I have both been reeling by the SCOTUS leak, we talked about who we want our next guest to be. And you were like the immediate and obvious choice because you give us hope. (laughs) You're doing the work to train and to have more women run for office and have more women elected into office, which is what we need. This is the solution because representation matters. So we're so thrilled to have you. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, just last night, 
Um, I was at the Ms. Foundation for Women her Gala, the first gala in two years. It was so, everyone was so thrilled and excited to be back in New York City, quite the happening. And I was thrilled because my daughter was able to join me this year, as well as my niece who now lives in the city. And it just, that's, that's what was on top of mind. You know, all these issues that disproportionately impact women and how we have to stay hopeful, right? We have to continue to move forward, even though um, change, as you know, is not linear, right? How do we stay joyful? How do we stay hopeful? My work is so incredibly hopeful. If I did not do my work, I probably wouldn't be getting dressed in the morning. You know, I'd be in the fetal position all the time, just, just thinking about what am I going to wake up to today, right? Oh my God, now what, right? When right. there's a great meme out there that's like, oh my God, now what, right? <laughs> there's a woman sitting, she's having a cup of coffee and there are flames all around her. And she said, oh, everything's fine. It's just fine. We know it's not, but we know that we are up for changing the world. It's, it's who we are as a gender. It's what we do. Yep. And for those who don't know, Patty Russo is known to be to post fiery memes on social media. They always make me laugh, lift me up. Um, but yeah, what a perfect event. And and it's so telling the Miss Foundation and all the work of Gloria Steinem and now Teresa Younger. You know, it is generational work. And yeah. as I was literally picking Olivia up off the as floor. As I was in the fetal position. <laughs> you know, I, I do try, as my daughter, try to get her focused on this, uh, what she can do. You know, she's yeah. now a voting age. She can help mobilize. Right. She can go to law school and change the world. <laughs> exactly. um, and I, I it, so it is hopeful. And we do need to stay focused on the generational work and um, keep going. Yeah. It's so critical. It's so important. And, you know, that is something that Gloria Steinem said last night was she's 88 years young. Uh, you know, she's been sharing the torch now forever, right? 50 years of activism. And she, that's exactly what she said. She said, you know, I know I may look like I'm going to be around forever. I am not going to be around forever. You know, I am looking to all of you much younger uh, and women out there that are really going to take the mantle up and change the world, continue to change the world. And, you know, getting to choice, you know, I'm old enough to remember when abortion was illegal in our country. Um, I think it's really, it can be a challenging for, challenge for young women because access to reproductive health has always been available in our country, right? You don't remember the days when contraception, you'd have to cross state lines. So when I was the director of Planned Parenthood in Fairfield County, before I became the director, women, you know, 10 or 15 years prior would have to cross the line to Porchester to pick up their contraception because it was illegal in Connecticut. It wasn't that long ago. And so when you don't have your history, and that's my other, you know, frustration with the educational system in our country, you know, women's history is always an elective. Yeah. Um, and if you don't elect to learn your own history, how are you going to know? How are you going to understand and appreciate how far we have come and how important it is that the work continue? It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as someone, I mean, as you said, like I, I wasn't alive, you know, when, um, like contraception was illegal when abortion was illegal. And so you're right for me, like it often does seem like we're only going backwards, but we have to be able to contextualize those things, right? Like we are moving forward. As you said, it might not be linear um, and it may feel like we're taking some steps backward right now, but 
I mean, we're going to continue to fight and to push for our rights. You know, these exactly. Gen, Gen Z leaders will continue <laughs> yeah, to fight. There's, yeah. they're actually and showing someone said just last week and just reminded us of the hard reality of abortion is that it's not that, you know, it's, it's going to become illegal, inaccessible. It's already very inaccessible for so many women across the country. You look at that map that was in the New York Times two weeks ago. It was scary. Okay. We live in a bubble in Connecticut. We're progressive. We codified Roe v. Wade when I was head of the permanent commission on the status of women. We codified Roe v. Wade 30 years ago in anticipation of this very moment. We never wanted women to not have the right to choose ever in our state. And they don't. But how about all the other, our community of women, right? Nationally, what about all the women who live in the South? Are women just just, just don't have access? Are they really in a crisis gonna be able to get it together to take a train or a car or fly here, right? To access their, you know, you know it, it just doesn't, it is not feasible. So abortion will always be with us. We have to make the determination as a, as a society, as a community, is it going to be legal and safe and rare or is it going to be illegal and it, or at, at the, the cost of women's lives? That's the choice here. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And you've had such an incredible career and you've done so much and you just actually gave the context of where your yeah. career began and now yeah. at Yale um, training women to run for office you recently wrote an article about women are the answer. Can you just talk about this whole pink wave? And you've been a big part of this pink wave and getting more women into office. And we are seeing more women than ever running and being elected. Um, what? Tell us why you think women are the answer. Well, um, you know, this my whole career has been a happy accident, uh, as <laughs> I know, <laughs> as I know you know, Sherry. Uh, that my my whole life has been a happy accident. When I was very young, I grew up in New Jersey, a proud, big Italian, wild, crazy, amazing family. Um, I wanted to be a nun. I'm just Whoa! Sure that. Okay, I, I'm I just never knew that. Like that's it. Okay. I just love, I want to give you some, some space there. I wanted to be a nun. Um, my mother was very active in the Catholic church at the time. I look amazing in black. Black is my signature color. Um, and I, I went to a Catholic uh, school for a time, fell in love with my, my teachers who were nuns and it was full habit, Russell and Russell, trouble with angels, that kind of a look. And I thought, wow, yeah, I want to be that. I want to be that. So when I was, or, you know, this was when I was 10, 11, I went home and I told my mom, announced to my mom that I wanted to be a nun. Well, the seas had parted. She was beside herself. So every time we'd go to church, I'm one of four and I'm the oldest. She'd introduce me to her girlfriends at church. Have you met my daughter, Patricia? She's going to be a nun. Right? <laughs> Um, no. Oh my gosh. Oh, Gracie, you're so lucky. She's going to be an amazing nun. Right. So I'm taking in all the accolades because what do I know? I'm 11 years old. My siblings, however, are not happy. So I have a brother and two sisters. And so this meant that, you know, I had to opt out of chores at home because I was a nun in training. I had <laughs> other things to do. I had to pray, you know, oh, who knows? But my mother would say to my, my brother and my sister, Oh no, no, your sister can't do that. She's she's gonna be a nun. Well, and nothing to do with setting the table, taking the trash out, etc. But you know, I took advantage of it. Then 
Years later, puberty hit. I fell in love with the boy next door. And that was the end of my nun career. <laughs> um, and then I wanted to be a nurse, you know, so that was, you know, for a minute. And then I decided that, you know, that was not also not for me because I hated the sight of blood. So that was going to work out. So then I'm at the ripe old age of 16 with clueless, have no idea. Oh my God, what am I going to do with my life? Like what, what is what is going to become of me? And so that was back when the, the women's movement was just starting to, to uh, really just started in our country. Betty Friedan's book was out, Gloria Steinem. Uh, there were things called consciousness raising groups. I joined the local now chapter, the national organization for women. My father was adorable. I wasn't even driving at the time. He would drive me to the meetings. No idea what I was doing in there, right? Um, just fell in love with it, started working on some local political campaigns in town, and I just kind of caught the bug. So I went to, um, I graduated from high school, went to George Washington University, and I was a political science uh, major. Of course, my mother started to cry. What do you do with the, what, what, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to make a living? Um, what does that even mean? Political science, right? right? And my father, fortunately, was such a feminist. He said, oh, she'll figure it out. She'll figure it out. And so he gave me that space and that confidence and that network, right? It's like, let's leave her alone. She will be fine. I, whatever she chooses to do, she will be fine. And it's so wonderful when you have people in your life who can see in you what you can't see in yourself. Mm -hmm. I loved it that he was saying that. I had no idea what he was talking about. So back then, when you were a political science major at GW, you had to work on the Hill, on Capitol Hill. And you had to work for a member of Congress. And of course, the only one at the time I wanted to work for was the late, great Bella Abzug. Of course. Bella changed my life. She changed my life. Um, so I made a, um, I'll never forget this day. I made my appointment with whoever I was going to interview with for the internship. I had my new Macy's pantsuit on. <laughs> I had my little briefcase with my paper resumes in there because that's how old I am. And I went marching up nine o'clock for my nine o'clock appointment with a woman who turned out to be not much older than myself in Bella's office. And the office is crazy. I mean, those of you who have been in Capitol Hill, I'm sure you two have, your, um, uh, your listeners have, uh, it's crazy, right? There's a million people running around. Everybody looks very important. And you know that something really big Big is happening. You have no idea what it is. You're just saying, you're just standing there kind of waiting for somebody to, to uh, look your way. So this woman comes out and I said, oh, I'm your nine o'clock appointment. We didn't even sit down. We met in her little vestibule in Bella's office and I handed her my resume and I told her what an honor it would be to work for the Congresswoman. And she took my resume and she said, well, you know, everybody wants to work for Bella. <laughs> Every young feminist like you, like get online. Everybody wants to work for Bella. And she said, we don't have any uh, positions available right now, but when we do, we'll call you. And I said, great. Thank you so much. This took all of 30 seconds. As I was leaving, I saw her take my resume and throw it in the trash. Now I had 10 or 12 other interviews that day. How do you think that made me feel? Not a confidence boost right? Mm -hmm. I ran to the bathroom to have a talk with myself. I talk with myself 
frequently. What am I going to do? Oh my God, if she's throwing it in the trash, everybody's going to throw that. That was my headspace. And then I said, Patty, get it together. Get it together. You will find somebody who will need an intern. So I changed my energy. I really did because I had to sell myself. I had all these other interviews, Shirley Chisholm's office, Barbara Jordan's office, Barbara Mikulski's office, all the giants, all the amazing Congresswomen that were in office at the time. I go, nobody has room for me. Everybody loved me. They thought I was great. They were going to call me. So it is now five o'clock and I'm feeling rather beleaguered and I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm gonna go back to campus and I'm gonna to go to the library and I'm gonna research men who are in Congress because there's gotta be one man that I'd be interested in, run, in working for. So just as I was leaving, I went into the restroom in Cannon House office building, which is where Bella's office was at the time. And there's a young woman crying at the vanity. There was a little vanity in the, in the bathroom at the time. And my mother taught me, well, I talked to everybody. Share, your mother will tell you, Olivia, I talked to everybody. Absolutely. A woman in crisis. I'm like, I went over to her. I'm like, are you okay? I will be. I just quit my job. I couldn't take it anymore that my boss was driving me crazy. I'm not even going to tell my parents that I don't have a job. I'm just going to waitress until I find another one. Well, of course, you know, the punchline. I'm handing her a tissue and I'm like, well, who did you work for? I work for Bella. I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about it because that's the other thing that women do. We overthink things. We make ourselves small, right? And then we can't sell ourselves, right? Because we don't have any confidence. It was like, oh no, you know, forget it. I'm just going to go home. No, I didn't go home. I ran back to that office. I wished her well. I said, everything's going to work out for you. I know it. And I ran back to her office. I didn't think it. I didn't think about it. I just went. So I go back to Bella's office. Now, those of you who've been on Capitol Hill at 530, 6 o'clock, the phones are still ringing off the hook. There are barely any staff there. But if the member of Congress is still there, guess what? The key staff have to still be there. So the key staff were still there. The phones are ringing. I see my my resume in the trash from eight hours earlier. I'm like, should I give them that one? Should I just pick that one up? Or should, oh no, I'm gonna give them a new one. So just as I was lo- walking into the office with a new resume, I see the same woman that I had started my day with. And I said, I'm leaving for the day, but I just wanna reiterate what an honor it would be to work for the Congresswoman. And just as I was saying that, Bella comes barreling out of her office. Now, those of you who don't know the history of this amazing woman, Google her, Google her. There's so many rights that we now enjoy that we take for granted, thanks to her leadership in Congress. She's got her handbag under one one arm, her paper, she was going to a meeting under another one. The phones are ringing like crazy. She looks at me, she points at me and says, you sit answer those phones. And that was the beginning of my amazing political career. And I've never looked back. I had an incredible couple of years with her who instilled in me that women can do and should be doing anything and everything, everything. And again, to have that experience so young, I just kept saying, I know, you know, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know I can figure it out. I know, again, what do we say? Say yes and figure it out later. That's been my whole career. That's been my whole life. And I've loved it. And I think it's just, that's the other thing too. I love my work. 
I love it. Every day is different. Every day I wake up and I can't wait to get going because there's so much to do. Okay, wait, we need to pause and let you breathe. And we need to like give you some like hand clapping applause. You need like a one woman show on Broadway. I agree. I mean, seriously, like you have so many stories and I've heard you tell so many others. I've never heard this one. And oh my God, there's so much history. There's so many leadership lessons to unpack. I never had the honor of meeting Bella, but I have met you. And if she was one ounce of your firepower, like I can only imagine like the, the energy that was in the office when the, when the two of you were together, it's incredible. Again, and that's, you know, and when we talk about confidence, especially when it comes to women, and I really think it was that moment when I was all of 19, when I said, I don't know what I'm going to do exactly, but I know that I want to be there for women the way men have always been there for each other. Cause yeah. I didn't see that, right. with, yeah. you know, with women and I, your mom will tell you, I pride myself on that. I will talk to any woman in America or the world who's interested in learning how to be a more effective leader, how to be a leader in your own life, right? Somebody starting out so young, what can I do, Patty, to make a difference? Oh, I've got 10 things that you can do tomorrow to get you going. Pick one. Right. You know, it's not just, you know, feel your way through it. Does this feel right to me? And if it does, do it. And you just said something so important. You just said something so important about being a leader in your own life. And I, I want every, I want to repeat that because every young woman needs to hear that because I just had this very actually upsetting conversation. I have a new high school intern yesterday. Um, she's, she's amazing and brilliant and fierce, but she said to me, she's like, well, I, I don't think I'm a leader. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, like, you know, I'm not aggressive and I don't tell, you know, I'm not good at telling people what to do. And like, I'm like, yeah, but you're, you're kind, you're compassionate. You're and you're a leader in your own life. You're a leader of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just, I, I want the young women to hear that because so many of them have consumed this message about what a leader should look like, which is, you know, pretty, pretty much lines, yeah, pretty much lines <laughs> up with a white man. And I just want every young woman to know that um, we all have different strengths yeah. and development needs, but, and we can bring our own and, strengths for our leadership and we style. we need leaders of all different strengths, right? Exactly. Like the fact that we have so many like male leaders means that we're lacking the traits that women um, are able to provide and mm-hmm. the people of color are able to pro- provide. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so important that we have a diversity of like leaders, you know, we need everyone who, you know, we need people, sure, we might need people who are more assertive, but we also need people who are empathetic and we need people who are like positive. We need all of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I just did, um, I just did a presentation uh, for a national women's, young women's leadership group through George Washington University a couple of months ago. And it was around the issue of imposter syndrome. And she said, could you do something on imposter syndrome? And I said, I cannot believe that we're still talking about Mm -hmm. that. But Mm -hmm. we are. And in order to, you know, to deal with any issue or any challenge, when you shine a light on it and face your fear, are in partnership with multi-generational women, you're going to be able to figure it out. You're going to be able to figure it out because you have a safety net. That's why our school has been so effective and successful because we offer, this is our 27th class, we offer nonpartisan issue neutral political campaign training, um, not only for those who are interested in running for office, but also for those who are interested in campaign management. 
Uh, we need we need more women and running for office as well as women running campaigns. Not every woman was meant to run. Not every woman was meant to run. Every woman was meant to lead. Find what your leadership path is. When people have heard me speak, they've said, oh my God, you should run for Congress. And I'm like, you're crazy. I'm never going to run for Congress. I'd have to be nice to people I don't like. <laughs> I, I would have to work on issues I don't care about. And I don't want your, po- your, your, your call at two o'clock in the morning about your pothole. I don't care about your pothole. <laughs> I like creating rock star candidates. I love telling people what to do, right? It's very much tough love at the campaign school at Yale. That's what our grads get. So not only do they get phenomenal training that definitely boosts their confidence and of course their knowledge. Um, I will say on Monday of our school, which is the week of June 6th this year, that by Wednesday, you will not recognize yourself because you will have a sense of yourself we create our candidates from the inside out. I don't want you taking your cues from the outside, right? Mm-hmm. I want you to know how good you are. Right. Not in an obnoxious way, but in a confident way, right? Do I love it when people tell me how much they enjoy my presentations? I love it. Do I need it? I don't. That's the difference. Right, you right. know you're making a connection. You know because it's authentic and it's genuine and you're being you, extrovert, introvert, etc. We need everybody to step up. So our mission is to increase the number of women in the political pipeline. And we need everybody working together to do that. So in addition to the exemplary five-day training that our grads get, they also get us forever. We have an incredible mentoring and coaching component to our school that we're very busy here. We get, I get emails and calls all the time. Patty, I just need 10 minutes. Patty, I can't find my finance director. Patty, my campaign manager is having a nervous breakdown. That's the safety net that we offer our grads for life. That's the connection. So it's the combination of seeing some, oftentimes seeing in our students what they don't see in themselves and offering them an incredible opportunity to come to our school and lifelong commitment to them. We truly love our grads. And your mom knows me well enough to know that we take good care of our grads. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, it was Italian American week in, um, in New in Connecticut. And I was interview- interviewed by Ann Nyberg, who's an anchor at Channel 8, who's also a dear friend and Italian. And so she had called me and said, I want to interview you because I want to know what being an Italian woman leader means to you. And I had never thought about it because your mom will tell you, I'm so busy being me. It didn't <laughs> occur to me to think about it. But it was such a great um, lesson for me because I thought to myself, What I'm doing, again, getting back to, I can't believe we're out of time, 25 minutes ago when I said I wanted to be a nun, that was my goal. (laughs) So the work that I do is of service. I am of service. I am in total service to our grads, to the world, to changing the world, improving the world, making life better for everyone, lifting people up through my work. And so I said to her, I said, you know, Italians know how to take care of people. It's who we are as, as, a, as a people, right? Italians, we, we love to feed you. 
you know, we love to take care of you. That's how I feel about our grads. It's just yeah. an extension of my Italian family. And your mom will, will, I will, will bear me out on that because yeah, she knows me so well. Yeah. And you've built a community, but before you go, we have to loop back to the boas. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, like, do all the Yale grads get boas or like, yes. the story? Yeah. I mean, I know I still have yeah. my boa. I still like, I, you know, I put remember, it on. Yeah, I remember the boa. <laughs> so I'm still doing it. I just, I just ordered a hundred for the upcoming class, but I also, I also do them, as you know, for many speaking engagements and also for our one day training. So I'll say to the, the class, how do you feel when, when you're wearing a boa? And they're like, what? I said, how do you feel? You know, do you feel light, you know, less serious? You feel fun? Um, open, sexy, how do you feel, right? I always want you to have that boa frame of mind. We can't wear our bows everywhere, although I do have them in the trunk of my car at all times. <laughs> you can't wear it all the time, but you can always have that lightness about you, that openness about you, where you can magnify your magnificence no matter where you're going. And people are attracted to that. They're going to want, wow, Olivia, there's something about her. I want to get to know her. She seems so open and friendly and interesting and curious. I want to have a conversation with her. That's how you want to walk through life right? That's being a leader. You know, a lot, the other thing that I like to share with young people is know that you're going to do something that's going to upset your parents. Know it, know it, just get, you know, just do it and get it over oh, with. She already has. Oh, she she, she, said, she, she I mean, when I had to tell my mother, I remember, I remember um, practicing in a mirror in the bathroom when I had to tell my mother I had changed my mind and didn't want to be a nun anymore. I was terrified, but I got that out of the way at 11 years old. And I just like, you know, have moved on, but really do truly know that you know best for you. You really do. So tune into that. You know what's best for you and find amazing partners, allies, mentors, all different voices with all different opinions. And then the ones that speak to you, spend more time with, with, with those people. Amazing. Patty, yeah. you are amazing, magnificent, yeah. fierce. You're like the most badass, phenomenal woman. I know you're incredible. Oh. And if for all the young women out there, if you're thinking of running for office, look up the campaign school at Yale and Patty will talk you into it. <laughs> I will, absolutely. It's tcsel.org. And my email is prusso at tcsel.org. And our phone number is 203-734-7385. It was so fun to talk to you. It yeah. was fun. I knew it. I knew it was going to be fabulous and I knew it was going to be fast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Patty. Thank Love you. you. Yeah. Thanks so much.